Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I hope you're having a good day, a safe day, a stay-home day, a take-care-of-yourself to keep everyone else safe day. Special shout-out to my good friends in South Korea and Japan, uh, Gang Young and Richard Roberts. These are two people I met when I was asked by the government to speak Uh, in those countries about the employment of people with disabilities. They are uh, with the embassies, and they were my uh, partners that went with me everywhere. Uh, And get ready, because we're going to be doing work in those countries right here on Voice America. Uh, Also, to our sponsors, Highmark, People's, Wells Fargo, Employment Options. Can you believe I have all these great sponsors of this show? And... Hi, Mark has been the sponsor of this show for four years. Can you believe that? Four years. What a great company Hi, Mark is. And before I go on, oh, by the way, special shout out, Yoshiko. Yoshiko Dart, haven't forgot about you. A special shout out to you. And before I go any further with the show, for all the executives at Voice America, I just want to tell you what a great engineer Aaron is. You know what? You're so lucky to have him. He is not only just wonderful with me, but to my guest. And sometimes people do a great job and like not everyone knows. So, hey, everyone at the top, I'm telling you, Aaron is awesome to work with. As is our guest today. I am so excited about our guest today. So excited. Liz Weintraub. She's a senior advocacy specialist for the Association of University Centers on Disabilities, AUCD. But in addition to that, she she is just like a disability leader. She's so well-known and so highly thought of. I just think the world of her. Uh, She is really a great person. And as you all know, this pandemic has impacted the lives of all of us, all of us in the world, but especially the lives of people with disabilities. So I've been trying to have shows ongoing about COVID-19 and how it has impacted different disability groups, whether psychiatric disabilities, people who are uh, deaf across the board. And today we're going to talk about how it has impacted people with intellectual disability. So, Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joyce, and it's quite a big honor to be here, so thank you very much. Well, it's an honor to have you and all of our listeners throughout the world. We have listeners in 17 countries. Where do you hear this woman? She is a real dynamo um, and a fireball. She she is. She's like a spark plug. 
Uh, but let's start by you telling our listeners about what you do at AUCD. And also, you have a radio show. So tell everyone about that. Yes. Um, I'm on, first of all, I'm very proud to say that I'm on the AUCD policy team. I'm a full member of the policy team. Um, I'm also the host of um, a YouTube show. Um, it's not quite a radio show like this, but it's a YouTube show. And what I make in this called Tuesdays with, with a disability policy for all where I make, where I attempt to make sure that people with disabilities and others who are not as familiar with policy as some are, do understand about them. I do this by interviewing people, policymakers and others. The videos come out every Tuesday, hence the word, hence our title, Tuesdays with Liz. So today's interview is about DSPs and the importance of DSPs. The other major thing I, I work on is plain language, making sure that everyone is included and blunt in, in the discussion. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. Hey, your radio show, uh, how do people get to that radio show? Um, you can go to org and click on uh, YouTube. Click on um, my name or Tuesdays with Liz on the drop down box. Or the other easiest, the other easier way is just Google Tuesdays with Liz. It should come up on um, in on Google. Okay, that's good. Well, what really got to me is that. The first area you worked in was justice for people with intellectual disabilities. And this year at Bender, every year at Bender, we have a theme. Like the first theme 11 years ago um, was, it may have been more than 11 now that I think about it, but our first theme was character. And then through the years, you know, it's been generosity and initiative, you know, different traits that I believe you know, make a person successful in their personal and work life. And this year, it's justice. So, wow, that really fit because I saw, and look at that, she worked in this area. So, if you don't mind telling the story of Ethan to our listeners. Yes. And actually, thinking back on it, the first, um, and this was when I first started in the advocacy field, probably 20, 25 years ago, maybe wow. even 30. Um, I was, I worked, um, I volunteered um, um, on um, doing advocacy work for SAFE, self-advocates becoming in power. And the first issue I got interested in was the uh, Justice for All project with um, Johnny Lee Wilson being, um, being 
a kid of a false a crime. But going back to Ethan's story, um, Ethan Ethan Saylor is a person was a person with a Down with a person with Down syndrome who wanted to um, watch a movie and he did. And when the movie was over, he wanted to watch it again. Um, so he didn't think that he needed to go um, outside and pay for another ticket. He just thought that he would wait for the next movie. And um, but the, the, um, he was wrong. And um, so the police were like, well, he can't do that. And the DSP said, well, can I just at least talk to him and explain why and maybe give him a hug and encourage him to leave? And he, the, um, the police people um, from Frederick County, where he was from, um, didn't listen to the DSPs. And the friend they knew it, he was suffocated by his throat. Um, and he, they hurt his throat so badly, he, he um, unfortunately passed away a few hours later. Um, and to the, and the point of the story and the point of this whole unfortunate issue was that if you just listen to the DSPs, who understand about people with disability, understand about people what they need and want, then this whole portion mess would we would have had we would have Mason um, around today. You know that is so terrible. That and I just want to tell you, uh, folks, this happens. This isn't like rare that this has happened, and uh, and it has happened actually to people with epilepsy. But this has happened often with people with intellectual disabilities, and I can see that got you all fired up. What did you do about that? Um, I I wrote letters. I um I was actually working with um the organization that. That uh, Ethan was uh, got supported from, so I I was very involved with. Um, I was the president of that organization in uh, Maryland, and I just remember going to a lot of meetings, and uh, people in the Grove, which is our self-advocacy organization here in Maryland. Um, um, did a lot of trainings, a lot of trainings for police, so they could hear from from us people with disabilities. They there's so many times that the police will listen to p- 
people without disability, but they need to listen to Ethan. They need to listen to me. They need to listen to you as a person with a disability. I, I know that you have a disability yourself, and they need to listen to us. And, um, and that's a shame if they don't listen to us. Yeah, they should listen to us. Yeah, you're right. I'm living with epilepsy and I'm hard of hearing. And uh, people sometimes turn off their whole listening, their whole paying attention, their whole awareness. Um, But, you know, as we say, Liz, nothing about us without us. And, you know, that that story you told just really got to me. But you know why I'm proud of you, and it's what I tell everyone when I'm on the show. Don't sit back. You've got to do something. You can't look at these things and just say, oh, that's really sad. You know, you've got to take action the way Liz did. Um, you know, that, and I encourage you to follow her lead as a role model. So, Liz, what made you decide to become a disability advocate? And, like, you are very well-respected. Maria Town, the CEO of AAPD, was the first person that said, Liz would be great on your show when you talk about this. So, you are very well-respected, but... You know, why did you decide to do this? Why, why many people have disabilities, but obviously not all decide to become an advocate, but you did. Why is that? Well, because I wanted to help people. I have always wanted to help people from a very young age. And maybe that's because I'm Jewish. Maybe that's because I have a disability. I don't know. I don't know what the reason was, but I wanted to help people. And I, the best way I knew how to help people is to tell my story. Because if I tell my story, then I might be helping other people. I, I need to tell my story. Um, to show to people that what they can do um, out there. And I know that um, I can tell you that I wanted from a very young age, I, I think I was 12 or 16 years old, I wanted to be a lobbyist. And I didn't even know what a lobbyist was, but somehow I knew, somehow, I knew maybe it was from my my upbringing because my whole family was into policy and politics. So I knew that I wanted to um, be a lobbyist, and no one gave me the time of the day. They all laughed at me, and they said, that's so cute. Go and play with the dolls, or go and play with something in the corner and leave a form. And I said, no, I won't. I won't leave you alone because I want, I want to help people. And if I, I want people, if I just, if I just went in the corner and said, okay, okay, I'll listen, 
Omnicom. I go go in the corner and do whatever. Then um, I would never have helped people, and I really believe that that I need to help people. And um, so there were a couple of people that really encouraged me. First of all, my friend Tia Nellis, I don't know know of her or know her, but she's also a very respected advocate. And she she encouraged me when nobody else would encourage me to raise my hand when I was afraid. And sometimes when people with intellectual disabilities get nervous and I was nervous because I was, I guess, I, there were so many people like Roland Johnson and I was just, quote, a baby in the advocacy field. Nobody, I thought that, you know, people would laugh at me like mom and dad did and say that was a cute thing for, for, person, for, people with intellectual disability. But she made me raise my hand and um and um I um ever since then I'm never afraid to speak up. Well and there were uh, up, well, Yeah, go ahead. There were um another person that really helped me my friend our friend, I think, um, Andy is just oh, Andy yes. and I knew you were going to say Andy Imperato. Yes, I love Andy. Go ahead. What happened with him? Yeah, Andy, um, I said, can I be on the policy team? Well, I'm at the UCD, and um, I don't have a college degree. I don't. I... I just have a high school diploma, and um, I said, can I be on the policy team? And remember what, what my parents said, they laughed at me, and um, I, um, and Andy gave me the, he said, let's try. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I've been on the policy team for probably four or five years um, at the UCD. Wow. You know, I'm glad that you talked about this because this happens to so many people with intellectual disabilities or other type of disabilities, but they'll say, you know what, just the way you did. I want to be a lobbyist. You know what, I want to run for office. You know what, I want to be um, a leader at this company. I don't care what it is. And, uh, you know, they don't always say go play with your dolls, but they do so say go play with your dolls without saying it. They say, they either talk in that voice I hate which I call baby voice, you know, to the person like, oh, you know, you can do more, you could do other things, uh, or they, which is so insulting when people do that, or they just say, do something else. 
In other words, they assume you can't do it. They lower the bar. Um, And thank goodness you didn't listen to that. And thank goodness for Andy and Parada. One thing I think I missed, who did you say first encouraged you? My friend Kia Nose. That's who first encouraged you. Kia Nose. How about that? Well, as I said, thank goodness that that uh, happened uh, because look how look what you've accomplished in your life. What gave you that fortitude? You know what I mean. What gave you that fortitude to not give up? Not give up. You know, to say, "Hey, I am going to do this." What gave you that that strength? Um, I guess. I guess my parents, I guess my dad, I guess my mom, who really helped. Yes, they might have um, laughed because I wanted to be a lobbyist. But they, they always taught me that I could be, they always made me sit at the table with all my sisters. They... They um, didn't want me to, they want me to be living at home with them. They want me to go places with them. Um, I think that that taught me that I can be just like anyone else. No pity. I can be just like everyone else. Right. No pity. Yes. No pity. People with disabilities don't need pity. They need paychecks. Uh, But anyway, okay, Liz, well, as you know, we are dealing with major obstacles right now with COVID-19. What do you think are some of the key obstacles for people living with intellectual disabilities? Well, there there are several ways. Um, when um, people, people without disabilities think that we can't live in the community and we should be placing institutions or nursing homes or group homes, and that's wrong. We know that, that this body um, has a lot to do with being, in part, being in surrounded by people with disabilities. People, um, this virus is a very contagious virus. So, um, if you're living with more than two or three people, more than two people, um, or four people, um, you might be um, able to get the virus and contain the virus. Um, and then the other issue is people people don't take us seriously when we when we say that we're hurt or we're sick. Um, and I mean that to the medical professionals need to take us seriously. And then we also this is a new um, disease. Um, it's um, a scary disease, and there's all kind of rules to it. Um, 
So, um, so we need plain language. We need to understand what's going on. And if you don't have plain language, and if I don't understand what's going on, how do I still save? Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, today, this, this past week, um, I, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. I took off my mask. Um, I was taking a walk with my sister. Okay. Um, and I thought that it was okay to take it off. And because my sister is my sister, and, um, I, um, and I got scared. I thought, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, did I get sick? Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know. So eventually I did ask someone, um, and I wasn't sick. And, but, but what I'm saying is that nobody told me that, um, if you hear, hear things in words that you don't understand, then you might get scared. And, um, at AUCD, we, um, did talk. We, I interviewed CG, someone from, CGC, the Center for Disease Control, um, about, about COVID in plain language. And then we also have an, at, um, AUCD, we have a plain language section of our newsletter. Um, and they're all on our website. And, um, um, you can, um, they're all, in plain language so everyone can understand what's going on. Right, or if you don't know, just as you said, if you become confused, you become afraid. And see, here's the problem. This happens also to people from the deaf community. It gets to the place where the person doesn't want to say anything because they know the person's acting as if, you know, they're stupid or whatever it is. And pretty soon the person clamps up and they don't want to say anything. And uh, you're right about that. You are so right that it needs explained to everyone so that you know what's going on. Uh, And I hope if you're listening to this show, and by the way, if you are thinking, oh, I know someone that would love this show. Go to Spotify or Apple and put in Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on Voice America, and you can subscribe to this radio show. And that way you can hear Liz again, or you can share the podcast with someone else. Uh, Remember, you can subscribe to the show, but encourage other people to listen to this show. A small amount may listen in the daytime, but a large amount listen on demand. So make sure you share this with someone. And with that, it's time for our news break with Perry Jude Radisic. 
Advocacy Matters, and we're always excited to hear what Perry Jude has to bring us today. Perry Jude, welcome. Hey, thanks, Joyce, and uh, great guest. Uh, Liz has always uh, got lots of great things to say uh, uh, about uh, about the disability community, Uh, so it's a great show. Thank you. So today we want to talk about the HEROES Act, which we've been hearing about in the news in the last couple weeks, which is really the fourth COVID-19 stimulus package. And that bill number is H.R. 6800-6800. And if you go to Disability Rights PA, you're going to find a link to that bill among other important information. So let's uh, get started and talk about that. Uh, We say it's the fourth COVID-19 stimulus package because as we've been counting, uh, at least at Disability Rights PA, we count 3.5 COVID-19 stimulus packages passed by the U.S. Congress and signed by the President. So why do we say 3.5 packages? Well, that's because the last package that was passed by Congress and signed by the president, we only consider a half stimulus package because it was really an expansion of the third package that we call the CARES Act because it increased funding for COVID-19 testing, it expanded uh, COVID-19 testing, and it expanded that Paycheck Protection Program. It added more money to that program because uh, small businesses had gone after that money pretty quickly, and that money had been uh, expended quickly, and there was no money left. So there was a small program uh, that was passed pretty quickly, and so this is why we say the HEROES Act is really the fourth stimulus package. So the House of Representatives wanted to look at other efforts uh, that the economy needs. And so for people with disabilities, uh, we're really looking at a number of things. State and local governments are looking at money uh, because many state and local governments are looking at deep deficits. People with disabilities are looking at more money for home and community-based services. There's high unemployment, and there's many issues for uninsured and low-income Americans that are still unaddressed. (laughs) So the U.S. House of Representatives wanted to take a step in that direction. So here we come with the HEROES Act to address those issues and meet those unmet needs. So the House acted on May 15th and passed that bill. So what's in that bill is 15% more money to expand SNAP benefits, and that's really nutrition assistance. They wanted to expand unemployment assistance. They wanted to make those large payments to state, local, tribal, and territorial governments. They wanted to make another payment, that 1200 payment, that $1,200 everybody was supposed to get. They want to make another payment to individuals, another $1,200 payment. This is important. People with disabilities have been advocating for more money for home and community-based services and money for frontline workers, what we would call hazard pay. That's in this bill. So there's a 10% federal match for home and community-based services, an increase. 
and money for frontline workers. So that's all in this bill. So the bill has now gone over to the Senate, placed on the legislative calendar. That all happened last week. So where is it in the Senate? Mitch McConnell, this is what he has said so far. And this is what he said to various media outlets. He said he wants to see how the money has been spent so far in all those other stimulus packages. He, he's interested in another rescue package, but he wants to see the impact of all of those other packages. So on our website today, you can find a link to the bill. You can find a summary about the HEROES Act. And you can find a link to the House roll call on the vote so you can see how your House member voted. So we know advocacy matters. It's important that you get informed about this legislation. It's important that you look at hashtag we are essential. That was put together by organizations like the ARC, the Center for Public Representation, Asan, the Epilepsy Foundation, and others. This is a hashtag on Twitter that tells our stories about home and community-based services and to raise awareness so that we can make sure this passes in the Senate. So it's important. Advocacy matters. So check out these important links at disabilityrightspa.org. And please do that because Perry Jew takes so much time getting us this very timely and important information, disabilityrightspa.org. Also, make a contribution. Perry Jude, I can't thank you enough uh, for this information. And make sure you go to that website because there's always just tons of information about what we're talking about. And one more time, what do you want our listeners to do, Perry Jude? Yes, really stay informed about this legislation because it's over in the Senate now. And, And if you're on Twitter, check out Hashtag we are essential. A lot of organizations are putting a lot of time and effort into this. And if you have a story to tell about home and community-based services, please take the time to do that on hashtag we are essential. All right, we'll do that. Thank you, Perry Jude. You have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you go, Liz. It's all about uh, policy and advocacy. Yeah, and can I also add something to what um, Terry Drew was saying? Um, we, we at AUCD are collecting stories. So if you go to AUCD.org, there's a template using actually my story, my husband and my story, um, around COVID, what we need and how this is affecting us. It's just my story as a template or a, as an example. But um, we're collecting stories. So uh, the reason why we're doing that is so we can send them to Congress um, and senators to talk to them about why the exactly what Perdue was saying, that we matter and we're essential. We matter. And 
you can't be scratching these bells. Right, we matter. What? Do, where do they go to read that story again, uh, Liz? Where do they go uh, at AUCD? Yes, AUCD dot org, and it's um. There's a tab called stories, and um, under the policy tab, go to policy, and then go to stories, and you'll find now. You'll find those stories there. Okay. Well, this is really sad what I'm going to talk about here and frightening and terrible. But people with intellectual disabilities had one of the highest percentage of deaths in New York uh, as we went, as New York went through that hellacious, hellacious death due to COVID. why do you think that happened, Liz? Why do you think that is? There are a couple reasons. One, that people are not given good care. People are not um, doctors and nurses and medical professionals think, oh, who cares about us? Um, we're, we're not smart and we're not, um, we're not incapable of having a good life, so who cares about us? So we're not going to um, take care about you. And then the other reason is that people live in Highland, a living situation like group home and nursing home. And I know that several, several people, several of my friends do live in group home, and I often ask, well, why do you live in a group home with two or three, five people? And their answer is, I'm happy. I'm ha- happy. And there are stories like that all over the country. I used to work for an organization that I would interview people about. Well, are you happy? Are you happy? And their answer is, Yes, yes, I am happy. Well, I, I didn't know whether that was the case. Um, I, um, I have to wonder whether parents or staff saying that they're happy. And, um, you know, how many people live in my house? Um, and just my husband and I and my cat, our cat. Um, and yes, if there's a family of six, like my sisters have family of six people, they're all related. But the the issue is that that if you live in a group home, you don't often you're not with related people, and that's so sad. Yeah, that is so sad. Um, and again, when I said all of this is horrifying, which it reminds me, what I'm going to say right now reminds me of eugenics during Nazi Germany. But in Alabama, and I know one of the people involved in going after this was uh, Perry Jude Radisick and all these groups, but in Alabama, uh, 
people with intellectual disabilities were viewed as second citizens when it came to health care, meaning getting a ventilator. And they ended up being sued by the Office on uh, Civil Rights, which is, thank goodness that that happened. But um, what did you think about that, Liz? Um, I think that's really sad. Um, it reminds me of um, the Holocaust. Um, yeah. I remember um, I, re- I, I had the first unfortunate or the fortunate, however you want to look at it, um, to go to, um, to um, the camps. I went to um, um, Warsaw and Daco, um, and Auschwitz, and um, because I'm Jewish, and I I remember um, seeing and hearing stories about that people with disabilities were the first people, first first group of people that the Nazis killed, um, and no reason but were different. And that's the same way that um, I'm afraid that people people are treating people now. Um, oh yeah, you're sick. Well, you have a disability. You don't matter. So I'll go on to the next person. Well, we do matter, and we do we do matter. And yes, we might not be able to talk very well, or we might not be able to do something very well, but we do matter, and our lives do matter. Yes, it reminded me of the same thing, Liz. It did remind me of the same thing, because in Alabama, of course, this was stopped, but it was health care disparity, because it was, who do I think would have the best chance of surviving, and it was not people with disabilities and was definitely not people with intellectual disabilities, and thank goodness that changed. But you know what I say? What Liz said, we matter. We matter. We count. We all have abilities. We all have so much to offer. We matter. Uh, I mean, how terrible is that? See, this is why you've got to get behind the disability community's advocacy because, you know, think about that. Think about that. If you have a disability, think about that. And I want to tell you... I'm sorry, go ahead. And as I like to often say, and some people might think this is are, but we will all become disabled once in a while. I can tell you um, when my mother died um, and she was very, very sick at the last few years of her life. Um, there were a lot of things that I had to help her with that she helped me with in a spot. And my father went to sing that. Yeah, that's right. 
Oh, you will acquire a disability by the end of your life. There is no doubt about that. Of some type, you will acquire a disability. And Liz, you probably know this, but many parents of children with disabilities believe that the IDD system broke down for people with intellectual disabilities dealing with that COVID crisis. You know, do you think that's true also? Yeah, I think, um, can you repeat what you just said in a simpler Yes, yeah, well, many uh, parents felt that this system of helping people with intellectual disabilities in New York, that it was not good, that it wasn't fair. And I guess that's your whole point about not, people being sick but not being able to explain it or people not at hospitals or wherever, not explaining the situation to people uh, with intellectual disabilities. I guess that's what you said before. So those parents were right. Yes. Yes. And I like that. And I want to point out one other thing you said. Many people with intellectual disabilities Uh, People think they can't function on their own, and they end up in some residential, some congregant setting, uh, or a nursing home. And you see, that's where it killed the most people. So that's another reason that the death rate was so high for people with uh, intellectual disabilities, as Liz said, higher. I mean, before, as she said before, um, and she's so right on. So, Liz, let me ask you this question. This is a happy question. Who is your role model? I have three. Um, one, um, Andy and Prado, of course. Um, my other friend is Michael McCormick, Michael Gellman. McCormick. Oh, and, uh, Michael Gelma McCormick. Yes, I know yes. him well. Yeah, he's so awesome. Yeah. And then also my father. Um, I said early on that my father kind of laughed in my face. But I think he did that because he, like all, my, all the other parents out there, who probably never dreamt that their kids could do this. Uh, never dreamt that I could be a lobbyist. Or never dreamt that I could, um, could um, do, um, advocate for legislation or um, other things in Capitol Hill. But... Um, he was truly my role model because he he really had the vision of of that I shouldn't be in that institution. I should not. I be should be kept at home. I should um I should um should be be where. Where my sisters were, I should go to to school just like my sisters. I should get a diploma just like my sisters. Um, I want. Um, I should get a job just like 
It's so scary. And yes, um, maybe, maybe he thought that I should not be a lobbyist. Well, as I said, he was only scared. He was just frightened. Yeah, I would say the key thing that they taught you or gave you, Liz, was uh, independence, the the belief in being independent versus dependent. Don't don't you agree with that? Yes, yes, yes. And he wanted me to get married. He, He kept on saying he meets someone, and yes. He wants me to make the right guy, just like any other parent. They want to to me the right guy or the right woman, and and um, I did. You did. That is awesome. And you got married. And what is your husband's? What's his name? Phil. There you go. Phil. Well, well, you and found we'll the right person. Years, we'll be married 15 years on Thursday. What? Wow. Yes. Well, happy anniversary yes. ahead of time. You'll always remember yes. that yes. you were on this radio show the week of your anniversary. Yes. How about Thank that? Yes. So, uh, before we close the show, Liz, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Well, a couple. One is to stay with Liz. I really wanted that YouTube shed that. I I can make sure that my friends with intellectual disability could understand about policy and not be um, around the dinner table saying, well, what does... Um, the CARES Act mean? What does the April Act mean? Um, so, so that. Um, a, a, another one is um, testifying um, in front of the U.S. Senate um, in the Kavanaugh case. That was just uh, the biggest, biggest honor of my life. Um, um, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, I testified in the Judge Kavanaugh case and um, against him saying that nothing about us without us. He, it was a, um, a, a um, case that I could explain some other time. I know that we're running low on time, so I won't go into it. But um, it was basically a case about nothing about without us. And um, I, I testified. I said that you couldn't have people making decisions without us um, in the room. And there are so many times that people just have us behind the door and say, okay, I'll make a decision. Let's go for Jane or Sally, but you're not in the room. And I'll talk to your parents or I'll talk to your provider, 
but you're not. Um, because you have what intellectual disability. And another thing I wanted to also say is all means all. Just if if this country is made up of um, just this fraud, then all means all. And that includes people with disabilities. Yes, and I just want to say... I am I am so proud of you when you testified before the Senate because um, I know when I did that is like such a great honor. So I I you know I can imagine you know how how you feel. I feel the same way, uh, and I also agree with you when you say justice for all means justice for all. I guess uh, another great accomplishment for you then was getting married. Yes. Yes. And being independent. I say that, everyone, in case you're wondering, gee, why are you saying that, Joyce? Wouldn't it be like that for anyone and everyone? Yeah, justice for all. Uh, But see, that's not how people with intellectual disabilities are treated. And I would just encourage you to follow Liz Weintraub, uh, AUCD.org. And if you're listening to the show, remember... Don't let anyone lower the bar for you. Uh, Well, Liz, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, and have a nice day. Well, before you go, we have a quote at the end of every show, and today it's from one of your heroes. Disability only becomes a tragedy when society fails to provide the things we need to lead our lives, said Judy Human, such a great person. Uh, thanks again, and Liz, and listen, if you were listening to the show, don't forget, share the podcast uh, with other people because this show is on demand and they can hear it anytime they want. And with that, everyone, remember, stay safe, stay home, wear that mask because Remember, it's not about you, it's about saving other lives. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you again next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 